exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. WDBM East Lansing. Welcome to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. In the next hour, we'll guide you through Spartan Sports, your favorite Detroit teams, and beyond. Call in with your thoughts at 517-432-3893. And now, let's kick off another hour of Sports Talk. Welcome into the basement on this big Monday night. It is a Spartan Sports Wrap. It is MSU Student Radio. So we are here 7 p.m. till 8 p.m. If you've got a phone and you'd like to give us a call, the number is 517-432-3893. We're in the house with the usual crowd, but some special guests that came in studio tonight. We'd like to welcome and thank Michigan State Formula Racing Team. We're going to get to them in a minute, introduce them. They'll explain what they do. And if you have any questions for them, the number is 517-432-3893. Kevin is back there as always, ready to answer your calls if you'd like to chime in. To my right, as always, from day one is Dewan Simmons. What is going on? Nothing much, man. Just taking life one day at a time. Well, that's that's a very assuring uh, assuring response there, Juan. But hopefully all things are well in, in the realm of Juan Simmons. Yes, it is, actually. It will all pan out. Am I going to catch you tomorrow at Michigan, Michigan State Basketball, 9 p.m. tomorrow at the Browns? I am going to sneak in there, definitely. It's X'd on my calendar, so I'm getting everything lined up now, so I, I'll have the time. Juan has a complimentary press pass to attend all basketball games. I've seen him at two. Oh damn! I've been to more. You know, two. I gotta put you on blast. You know, okay. there's people dying out there to go to the game. Okay. Uh, Brigitte, what's going on? Big weekend for you, huh? Yeah, big weekend. Definitely turning 21 on Sunday. So Juan, are you gonna are you gonna be there? Yeah, I am gonna be there. <laughs> you know I what? To, maybe huh? maybe Juan and I'll ride together. Good plan, Dan. We have See a Spart- that? Uh, Spartan sports wrap. A uh, little little party. Little meeting. Party there we go. Celebrate Brigitte's 21st birthday. Rachel, Rachel, so thrilled. Michigan State women on a four game streak. That's basketball, and that is your specialty, Rachel, along with fried chicken, Rice Krispie treats, and tacos. What is going on? <laughs> Nothing much. Just really excited about the girl, the women and, and their success this week. Mm, I'm glad women. you use women. Yes, that is very correct. And uh, to my left, two gentlemen associated with, very closely associated with, Michigan State Formula Racing Team. First, Adam Zemke. How you doing, Adam? How you doing, Dan? Not too bad. Not too bad. Hey, Andy Grison next to you. And uh, Andy is actually one of the drivers from Michigan State Formula Racing. How you doing, Andy? And not too bad. So, fellas, ladies, anybody out there that has a phone call, a question for these guys, It's the floor is open. They said they're down for anything. 517-432-3893. We're opening the show tonight showing our versatility. We're covering a little bit of auto racing. Since a lot of car racing seasons are on the brink of beginning with NASCAR, uh, stock car racing, things like that. But first of all, guys, can uh, just one of you explain what you do and what you guys are all about? Yeah, um, I guess I'll uh, handle this one. Um, the Michigan State Formula Racing Team is a uh, nonprofit, student-run, professional racing team that competes in a competition series called Formula SAE. It's actually the world's largest engineering competition. About 300 all-collegiate teams worldwide, eight international competitions, two of which are held in the United States, all annually based. So... You guys compete internationally. You guys go out of country to do this. Uh, we competed at one shootout in Canada last year. Unfortunately, uh, up to this point, the funding hasn't been quite as uh, lofty as we would have liked, and traveling to an international competition tax on about $30,000 to an annual. Absolutely. That is definitely costly. Um, first of all, when did, uh, when did you guys begin 
to be involved with this organization. You guys are both juniors here at Michigan State? I'm actually in grad school. You're but, in grad school. Uh, yep. Okay. I, I've been involved for three years now. This is my third year. And uh, I joined last year uh, when I got here, and uh, I've been on the team ever since. What uh, initiated your interest into this program? You know, actually, I was involved with a, uh, one of Michigan State's other organizations, an off-road racing uh, syndicate, and uh, I worked out of the same facility that the Formula team did. The Formula team was uh, a lot more up my alley in terms of my interest, and that's what drew me in. And uh, last year, I was actually at the engineering building, and I saw a recruitment meeting flyer and joined the recruitment meeting and was on the team the first chance I got, and I've been on the team ever since. So what, what kind of commitment are we looking like? What kind of hours are you guys putting in? Let's say, obviously, during build week, build month, however long it takes for you guys, we'll get to that, to build your, to your formula car. Uh, what are we looking at in terms of commitment of you guys' hours or days? or How, how much of your schedule is sacrificed for Michigan State formula racing? Uh, I'll, I'll answer that one first. Um, when you're a team leader, uh, I'm actually the powertrain mechanical team leader for this year's car, Car 9. Uh, being a team leader, it requires you to really set aside your entire weekend as well as most of your week. So school tends to uh, suffer as a result, but I think the uh, adding all that extra time really will pay off in the end. You know, I'd like to just compliment, compliment that as well, Andy. Um, <clears throat> basically, in terms of the management, the team leaders, everybody puts in anywhere from 30 at a minimum to, I'd say, upwards of 50 to 60 hours per week when we're getting into the wow. heavy build cycles. So we're talking a full-time job plus plus some. And then in addition to that, um, you know, you're talking about um, just a dedicated sacrifice pretty much every night. We work seven nights a week right now in the heavy build cycle. So when is when is this car nine due to be fully assembled? Uh, hopefully it will be done right here at the end of the month, uh, right before spring break. Yep. Uh, we're heading, heading down to Florida, Gainesville, Florida, University of Florida, to test the car. Um, that will be its maiden voyage. If you guys got questions, we've got Michigan State Formula Racing team members Adam Zemke and Andy Grise. And Andy is a driver of the number nine, hopefully soon to be completed number nine car. Uh, the number is 517-432-3893. Um, another question for you guys. Um, can you explain what kind of races you guys are involved? We talked about before the show a shootout versus a main event. Can you guys explain what kind of races are you guys in and what kind, what size car are we dealing with here? Horsepower, speed. Um, I'll take the races. All right, so uh, in terms of races, you're looking at two main competitions uh, that we participated in. Uh, they're both U.S.-based. Uh, when I say main, I mean actual Formula SAE-sanctioned events. Those competitions are quite large. Uh, one we went to was 50 teams, all international. Uh, the other one we went to was 142 teams, all international. And those are caps that were placed on the uh, it looks like It looks like we got a call for you guys. One second, we're going to take this call. Okay. Welcome right. to the Spartan Sports Wrap. How you doing? Are you uh, pumping out a little little bit about your uh, engines? Uh, uh, any turbocharging, supercharging, and do you strictly run the uh, the ovals, or do you get into any uh, Grand Prix type racing? And uh, I'll just uh, hang up and listen to you on the web. Okay. Um, basically, uh, we run a CBR 600 F4I engine out of a Honda motorcycle. Anything you'd see on the street, you know. And right now, last year we were making about 70 horsepower uh, peak. This year we're making about 80 so far. I hope to make a little bit more as we get as we near uh, spring break, like I was talking about. As far as the restrictions on the engine, we're talking you can only run up to a 610cc motor for displacement, and you are allowed to run a turbo supercharger, but it must be downstream 
of the restrictor that is placed on our engine. We have a 20 millimeter diameter uh, intake restrictor that every car is mandated to run. And uh, that is going to be the big limiting factor as far as horsepower goes. And what are we looking at in terms of speed? How fast are you guys going to get this car up to? Uh, when I was driving last year, I think I had the car up around near 100 miles an hour. Uh, in competition, the fastest we might ever see is about 60 do the type of courses we run. And I know uh, that gentleman asked a question about the types of courses we run. Uh, not so much oval. It's actually an open wheel style race car. looks like a small Formula One car. And we run an autocross style uh, course with lots of uh, switchbacks and uh, not so many straightaways. So it's a lot of acceleration out of corners is the basis of the competition. Well, I was just wondering, where do you build actually and where uh, do you test? I'm pretty sure you don't, you know, go down Grand River, you know, testing the engine out. So, No, unfortunately, uh, I think the MSU police would have a bit of a problem with us <laughs> driving on the main roads. Um, in terms of the building, we have an off-site facility. It's out uh, on Okemos Road right across from uh, Okemos High School. Excuse me, Jolly Road across from Okemos High School. That's an uh, engineering research facility. We have machine shop there, fabrication facilities, as well as a, uh, a design design area where we do the design of the car. In terms of the actual testing, we test on campus. Like Andy was saying, it's an autocross-style competition, which means that we design our own courses. And so all we really need is a large tarmac or a parking lot to set it up. We do a lot of testing out at the commuter lot, out at the lot by the pavilion. Is that what the big trailer is out there by any chance? Is that you got? Possibly. <laughs> I've almost hit that a couple times. Good to know. Good to know. I got a couple questions for you guys, too. Um, like, who can participate on the team? Like, what are the qualifications for being on the formula? Um, ab- absolutely none, actually. Um, we will teach you everything that you need to know. That's one of the things we, we really pride ourselves on is that it's open to everyone. We have a, uh, cr- a very diverse body, a lot of engineers, but also business majors, and we have a, uh, a nursing major this year as well. Mm-hmm. Really, just take someone who's enthusiastic about racing. That's cool. I got one more for you. Um, you were saying that there's a couple girls on the team. What is their role on the team compared to what the men usually do? Uh, just one and the same, actually. Uh, uh, Andy was talking a little bit about him being a team leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, our body team leader this year is a young lady by the name of Elizabeth, and uh, her role has been one and the same as any other team leaders or any team leader that was involved with that responsibility previously. Okay. So when we get we get talking about all this stuff, you guys have a building, you guys have machinery, you guys have engines, parts. Where do you guys get your funding? Uh, funding is uh, procured all by students on the team. We're funded. Last year's car was funded by about seventy four different sponsors. We have over a hundred as of right now. Um, it's all private donations, uh, individual companies such as the original big three automakers, companies, local businesses, and, and actually international businesses as well have funded us. If you're just tuning in, we're joined by Adam Zemke and Andy Grison of Michigan State Formula Racing Team. If you've got a question, strictly formula racing at the top of the hour here, 432-3893. It's area code 517 if you're outside of the Lansing area. But uh, to go, to move forward uh, with this with these guys from Michigan State Formula Racing, uh, can you give us a little bit of the history, how, races you've won, participated in? How successful is your program? All right. Uh, in terms of the program, we've been around since about the mid-1980s. Here at Michigan State, competition origin, originated in the early 1980s. In terms of the races, the highest we've placed, um, as I said, li- li- last year's competition, the biggest one we participated in was 142 teams. And we placed ninth at that particular uh, venue, excuse me, um, 
we also ran in a shootout sponsored by Road and Track Magazine, where we narrowly missed first place by about four tenths of a second, so very close. And uh, and that was that was an event last year as well. Um, we've placed third up to that point in uh, in one of the official also, formulas. Also, in uh, I'd like to talk about the University of Toronto shootout. Yep, that was when we were in actually September. We were back in school, and we prepped our last year's car, car forty one. Uh, ready to go to Toronto, and we placed second there. Um, so that was really that was a big accomplishment. So what's behind the the naming and numbering of these cars? Is there any significance between, behind forty one, behind number nine? What's what's the deal there? Sure, uh, car forty one last year that was actually the number that we registered at, and as soon as you start to place in the top ten, that becomes your number for the previous year. So car forty one placed ninth last year, and now we're car nine. Hopefully next year will be car one. So. So Andy, you're a driver of this of the Formula car. How do you become a driver? Do you volunteer? Do you have to take special <clears throat> training, pass tests? What's the deal with that? Last year, uh, how it was handled, and it's probably been handled in a very similar fashion this year, is once you're on the team and you put your time in, and we could tell that you're a dedicated person and you want to be on the team. Uh, we take everybody who has an interest in driving, go through a little bit of physical driver training, and we sit down for a little bit of uh, driver training as far as uh, technique goes, and then the big the big test comes in spring break. We have all the new guys get in the older race cars. We uh, set them loose on the track, see if they're consistent, see if they're fast, and then we basically, the team leaders and the chief engineer and project manager, kind of see who's going to be um, a candidate for driving. Not to, con- <clears throat> not, not to condone um, speedy driving, um, but what as a driver, what are some tips, being a race car driver, to... <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think my, my biggest tips are uh, to be smooth, Overall, it's kind of it's a hard thing to describe. You want to be smooth with your driving, you know, smooth on the gas, smooth on the brake, and the transitioning between the two. So, are you clutching and shifting gears manually, or, or is that we do automatic? shift gears? We do shift gears manually. We usually don't use the clutch on the upshift. Uh, sometimes, occasionally, you have to use it on the downshift, but mostly we don't use the clutch so much. It's a motorcycle style transmission. So, if you let off the throttle a little bit, you can shift fine. Um, but as far as the more technique goes, uh, I would recommend your breathing is one of the biggest things. Learning how to breathe when you're, uh, this is a very physical style racing. It's not so much the oval. We have a lot of upper body uh, turning in the car because it's a manual uh, rack and pinion steering. There's no power steering in this car. So it's, it gets tiring on your uh, upper, upper body. So learning how to breathe is proper and learning how to be smooth yet aggressive. Be fast, but you want to be smooth with the gas and the brake. So this is a great segue into our next topic. You <laughs> talked about the physicality of of this activity. Is race car driving a sport? Absolutely. Um, I th- believe in all aspects. Uh, mentally, uh, race car driving is just as intense as, uh, like, for instance, wrestling. Uh, I'm sure listeners and myself, we I've wrestled in high school, and it's just as mentally uh, draining and mentally fatiguing as anything else. Your concentration has to be sharp 100% of the time, and as soon as you start to uh, physically fatigue, you start to mentally fatigue as well, and then that makes you a sloppy driver, and you start making mistakes. So I've heard, I've heard rumors about NASCAR drivers losing 5, 10 pounds during a race. Do you, do you experience any of that um, fatigue setting in and causing you to lose weight or anything like that during a race? During a race, you definitely come out of the car sweaty. I mean, you're belted in in your driving suit, head to toe in 90-degree weather, for instance, in California uh, when we raced earlier in uh, June. You're 90 degree weather in your full driving suit, and you're belted into the car. You can't move. There's no ventilation, so you definitely do get a little uh, sweaty. Um, to to go along with this same topic as NASCAR support, what do you say to someone who who brings an argument to you that you know the the car the the whatever you're in, say if you're 
If you're playing basketball, your your tool is a basketball. In, in racing, you're using a car, and the car is doing so much of the work. What do you say to a person like that who's opposed to auto racing as a sport? I would probably have to say the the only thing I could say to that is you have to at least drive this car to understand basically what it's all about. I used to tell my parents about how I had to be in shape and how I had to eat, watch what I ate, and uh, stay hydrated to do this. Well, at the top of you know at the top of my game. And uh, they didn't really believe me, and I actually they had a chance to drive. Both my mom and dad drove the car at our sponsor drive earlier this year, and they both agreed that they are definitely surprised at how much how much strength it takes to drive a car with no power steering. So, so basically, it's like you have to experience race car driving yourself before yep. you can make a judgment. Anybody can sit there and say, "Oh, I could I could do that any day of the week." It's just like driving, you know, my car around. Well, until you're driving the car on the edge, on the threshold of losing control, all the time, 100 percent of the time then I would definitely say that you really can't make assumptions as to if it's not a sport. We're going right back to our, our female presences, presence <laughs> I in the studio tonight. Some more questions. Well, Go ahead. I was just wondering, you know, you have recruiting classes and guys getting picked up in basketball and football and baseball all around here. I was wondering, do Na- you know NASCAR teams come and recruit from um, teams such as yours? Uh, we've actually been talked to by some teams uh and I actually interviewed with a Formula BMW team, um, not so much for the driving, but for the engineering side as well. But definitely, the being a driver is uh, can definitely open some gateways to doing that. I can't say that I know of anybody offhand who, in the past couple of years that has been become like a race car driver as a result. Well, even just the pit, you know, working in the pit, are people recruited for just all types of jobs Ab- with NASCAR? You know, absolutely not necessarily with NASCAR, but in terms of actually racing. in racing in general. Um, this competition is big in the in the UK as well, and the majority of the UK teams have at least uh, one member, I'd say, co-oping or interning with a Formula One team over in Europe. That's very common. And uh, the in the United States, the competition is, is very well respected in the realm of the OEM industry as well as motorsports. We have team members that have gone to work for uh, various racing organizations uh, on a permanent basis. If you're just joining us, Adam Zemke and Andy Grisen of Michigan State Formula Racing Team are with, with us for a few more minutes. If you've got a question, you want to give us a shout, the number is 517-432-3893. I was just going to ask you guys, um, I guess what I'm trying to say is, how is it? have you ever been in an experience where you've almost gotten like an accident or anything like that? Have you ever seen? like How dangerous would you say it is compared to well, like anything else? I think uh, as far as the danger of driving the car and losing control or getting in an accident, the danger, it is always present. Always present no matter if you're 100% confident in the car that it's not going to break or malfunction. There's always danger there. Uh, personally, I've never been any severe danger uh, aside from maybe the throttle getting a little sticky and maybe you know, blowing through a corner. But uh, actually at competition this year in uh, Romeo, Michigan, we actually saw a car that was in front of us in one of the uh, endurance events mm-hmm. that actually burst into flames. Wow. So you definitely have to be uh, ready to unbelt yourself. Un- I'm sorry, unbelt yourself at a very quick rate to get out of the car. <laughs> so basically you would bail out of your car. Yeah, you have to come to a complete stop, obviously. But, you know, you jam on the brakes, come to a complete stop, and then you pull the uh, lever on your harness and get out of the car as quickly as possible. Just a recap, we're in here with Michigan State Formula Racing team members. Uh, you guys are funded through donations from various businesses you build your own car from scratch talk about that a little bit how long does this take and uh how what's uh, what's a target price that it costs you cost you know 
cost of operations, things like that. All right. In terms of the length of time, actually, uh, this is a unique period for us because we're extending our design cycle from about 11 months. We call it a design cycle. Design includes design, build, test, uh, right up to competition. So from 11 months to now, we're going to 16 months. Basically, uh, starting a new car before our our current car is complete or has competed, and that, that gives us an edge to uh, to incorporate more tests into our design and validate things better. Um, in terms of the funding, we're looking at uh, right around $100,000, maybe more to fund our entire program for a year. But if you look at, and that seems like a lot of money, but if you look at in terms of what you're getting for that, if you were to be contracted by a private individual, you're getting 30 engineers working countless hours every week to design and build you a custom car for your application. That's a steal. Right. Absolutely. So you guys are obviously working at a volunteer rate? Correct. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> volunteer rate. Did, did you catch that at the top of the hour? <laughs> 50 hours a week at 0. 0.0. Wow. Amazing. That's, you guys, that's, that's definitely, dedication. Can, that's dedication. I can that's applaud. Dedication. Um, to wrap it up, uh, where are you guys headed in the future? What do you guys want to do? You're obviously a graduate student. Um, you're going to be here graduating soon from Michigan State. What are your plans for the future, guys? Um, I have an offer on the table from Chrysler Corporation, so I'll be headed over there for vehicle engineering. Good deal. So I'm sure that's a that's got to be a rewarding offer from from Chrysler. You're gonna are you gonna have your master's degree in? Yep, I'll have my master's degree um, either in May or or next December. And what's your focus? Uh, mechanical engineering. Amazing. And you? Yeah, I'm um, basically going to be looking for an uh, internship this summer. I'd like to do something more sports-oriented, not necessarily, but uh, that's be my preference. And uh, my major's in mechanical engineering as well. And if people, listeners, students, anybody who wants to get involved in this, male and female, as we've talked about, um, where can they find out more information about you guys about joining? Um, you can check out our website. It's www.egr.msu.edu slash FSAE, organization is FSAE, Formula SAE. Um, you can also shoot us an email at FSAE at egr.msu.edu um, or look us up on the web. Just type in MSU Formula Racing into any uh, any search engine or Google, and we'll be, we'll be right at the top there. And so where are you guys headed next? Um, what, what's on your agenda? The car build? When does competition start? Um, we have two competitions coming up, one in May and uh, one about three weeks later in June. The one in May is here in Romeo. It's all open to the public, so if anyone wants to come, they're more than welcome to. Again, you can email us, and we'll send you the more more details regarding that. One hey, in, go ahead. Go, go ahead. You can finish. Uh, I was going to say the one in June is out in uh, Fontana, California, so if anyone really wants to drive all that way with us, uh, we're more than happy to have you. Hey, Adam Zemke and Andy Grisen of Michigan State Formula Racing. Fellas, we really appreciate your time tonight. Thanks for Thank having you. us in. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to get into some Michigan State women's and men's basketball, talk about what John L. Smith, yes, the former head coach here, had to say about Illinois football, yes, Shocking but true. And we'll wrap up the hour with some tournament talk. Stay with us. You're listening to the Formula Racing Sports Talk <laughs> radio show. Let's go. Stay with us. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. At the football game, Jim shows the telltale signs of being wasted. He starts flexing for the camera. He refers to his muscles as gunboats. He screams, how's this for a halftime show? Jim streaks the field. It's easy to tell if you've had way too many to drive. But what if you've had just one too many to drive? Never underestimate just a few. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, the Ad Council, and this station. 
For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Prime where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Sunday nights, check out Sitter Spin from 8 to 10 p.m., where you can voice your opinion on what new music we play here on the Impact. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. Welcome back to Exposure. Honestly, that had to be the most enlightening 23 minutes we may have had on this show. I learned so much. Thanks to Michigan State Formula Racing Team for joining us. And thank you guys for listening to us. If you're Dr. Fulu Ugandimu from the Michigan State University, Journalism Department, special thanks. That's my professor. He said he may be listening. So you always got to give a shout-out to the professor. And uh, anybody else out there, the Forizana, the Spartan Village crew, hey, we thank you for listening, as is Brigitte's family, I'm sure, because you are just so precious. I can can only imagine what you're getting for your birthday. Brigitte's birthday, the big number 21 coming up on Saturday. Oh, man, so excited. So excited. I I can only imagine. Juan and I will be there to uh, observe what what goes down. As we have already brought our 21st in. Yeah, we're grown. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but we're back, and you can be with us if you'd like to join 517-432-3893. Kevin is kicking it, and boy, has he just been enlightened in the in the area of Formula Auto Racing. And yes, it is a sport. I'm convinced after tonight. <laughs> I'm not sure if Juan is. Juan said minimally nothing. Uh, wow, is a wow is that all? Uh, I heard? It was a, it was a big learning experience. You know, I had to sit back and try to try to absorb as much as I can. You know, all the talk about the throttle and and the upshift and the clutch and the power trans. You know, it, it was a lot. You're just used to pushing the gas. Aren't exactly. You? you know, I just push the gas and go. So you know, I had to step back and show some appreciation to the guys. You know what? You better stay with us, folks. Coming up this hour, just in a few minutes, I'd say about five to ten minutes, special guest Maya Johnson will be joining us from the women's basketball team. If you're not familiar, she hit the game-winning three-pointer yesterday at Purdue. Yes, number 13, formerly ranked number 13 Purdue yesterday, to put the women's basketball team to number 24 in the in the nation and 10-2 and two in the Big Ten. They'd be in a tie for second place. And they will be 19 and six overall, a guaranteed NCAA tournament bid. Unlike the men, we'll get to that later. But before we get to anything, John L. Smith had some comments to say uh, this past week with the New York Times. A very, very interesting one. Uh, brings us to the area of recruiting. Um, Cedric Everson did mm-hmm. not end up signing with Michigan State. Were you a little disappointed wow. with that? Wow. Yes, I am. He, no. he, he ended up signing with Iowa. That is a big shock. You know, that was one of the big recruits they had coming in. Fantastic speed. He's he's a strong kid out there at the corner. So I, I'm surprised to hear that he didn't, you know, go through with his commitment here and, and, you know, go to Iowa. But it shows that students are now coming up and they want, the, you know, that stability within the program. And if you see Michigan State, you see something that turns to, you know, even if you don't want it to be somewhat of a front door, rotating door type uh, facility, you know, with the rotation of all the head coaches and, and coaching staff. So, you know, he goes somewhere like Iowa that has more stability. Of course, his playing time would be higher at a place like that with less competition. So, I mean, you can't really knock the kid for making the choice, but I would rather see him wear green and white. John L. Smith has uh, been recently dismissed as the head coach here at Michigan State. Um, but, uh, he expressed he expressed his view about the recruiting situation at the University of Illinois. Okay, Illinois has the number one recruiting class in the Big Ten. Uh, when you look at Illinois' record, uh, not so bright. If you look at their facilities, not so impressive. Um, but what does John L. Smith say? Quote, if they had a winning program and all of that, it would be a different deal. 
If they had the greatest facilities in the world, then maybe they could sell them. But what are they selling? Smith goes on to say, where there's smoke, there's probably fire. Juan, is there fire down there at Illinois? Who? <laughs> you know, I'm not really one to jump to, to speculations, but, you know, I have to agree with John L. Where there's smoke, you normally find fire. And I don't know what you're selling to, to kids when you have the worst record in the last five years in the Big Ten. You you have one quarterback that's that's showing a one bright spot. But as far as skill positions go, there's nothing there as far as of funding, there's nothing there as far as, you know, tradition and standards. I really have no idea what they could offer these kids to get, you know, the top recruits and beat out the likes of a Michigan, uh, Wisconsin, who who all are going to finish in, in the top ten, as well, as well as Ohio State. So I don't know if the kids are just shying away from these perennial powerhouses to try to get more playing time as an individual, but who knows what Illinois really brought to the table. From the plethora of things that have come out of John L. Smith's mouth, I think that this statement about the recruiting in, in college football is, I think, shared privately by many coaches, and I'd say rival coaches at that, in the Big Ten and the nation, and also in with recruiters. And uh, what a better man to ask if I'm a New York Times columnist than to go ahead and say, you know what, let me give John L. Smith the call. The guy is a, quote, machine. Right. And uh, he, he did not disappoint with this one. And, and, I, and I have to agree as well. Where there's, where there's smoke, there's fire. Um, where there's Reggie Bush's parents living in a, a quarter of a million dollar home in California, uh, there's fire. And we're starting to see the, the tragedy that is USC football and their dirty recruiting unfold. The gifts that Reggie allegedly received. And uh, now there uh, there's some allegations headed towards the Illinois football program now that Ron Zook. And you and you got to remember, those kids at Florida that just won the title, those are Ron Zook's recruits right. from down in Gainesville. So, um, Ron Zook, let me get this straight. Ron Zook has not been convicted of any recruiting violations. So the man is innocent. But like John L. Smith said, where there's smoke, there's probably fire. Brigitte, what's your thoughts? I mean, to me, it just sounds like, you know, a coach that actually isn't a coach anymore right now because he doesn't have a team sounds a little bitter trying to place a little bit of blame on a, another program that might have, might have a chance of actually being good this year. Like you said, they got the top recruits. It sounds like you're just trying to, you know, kill a team that might have potential to do well next year. So before, Sounds a little before, bitter more so, than... So before you convict anyone, you want to see proof of Yeah, of I mean, I would like to violations. see proof. I mean, I'm not going to really take anything that John L. Smith says to heart right now. I mean, I, I believed him when he said he was going to turn around Michigan State's football program, and look what happened. <clears throat> Excuse me. But um, it just sounds like a better coach who doesn't have a job right now. Hey, I can agree with that. One. Yeah, at the same time, you know, recruiting does go in waves. So it might be Illinois, you know, turn to actually get some of the better recruits. If you look at some of the, the main sports as far as basketball and football, who would ever thought that Florida would be, you know, the defending champs in basketball and you'll have a team such as Ohio State who's good in basketball. So it, it's kind of it's kind of like a switch, you know. Who knows what these coaches are offering these players to get there. A lot of them, you know, just maybe want to stay close to home or – you know, they, they like the the actual person in the facility. Sometimes it's not always about the name. It's some of the behind-the-scenes work that might draw a recruit to actually come to the facility. Absolutely. So so we'll watch this for you, uh, Illinois coach Ron Zook being a kind of somewhat called out by John L. Smith, former, stressing the former there, Michigan State head football coach, about if there's smoke, there's fire in terms of recruiting. Illinois grabbing the number one recruiting class in the Big Ten. Um, they do. Illinois is not that bad of a program. You think you look. You they've got Juice Williams. They've got some talented receivers. Um, they gave us 
business <laughs> yes, right. last year at Spartan Stadium. But uh, enough about John L. Smith and the former Michigan State football head coach. We've got someone more important online with us, um, none other than Maya Johnson joining us on the Spartan Sports Wrap tonight. Hello, Maya Johnson. How are you? Whoa. Talk about a pump fake. That that it that just like the one she used in the game. Just like the one she used. Hold on, we're gonna get her back on the line. But uh, sorry about the technical difficulty there. That was that we call that a pump fake. Good deal. Uh, we've discussed this before. You go for the phone, press the phone button. Um, nobody home. Nobody's but, home. But we're gonna stick with Michigan State women's basketball. They're now ranked number twenty-four in the nation. Um, they lost to Purdue earlier this year in East Lansing, but they did return the favor uh, yesterday afternoon on ESPN two. Um, with a two-point win at the basically at the buzzer, uh, Maya Johnson from the corner off the dish from was it Aisha Jefferson? That's right. But joining us now is the special an analyst of women's basketball. Her name is Rachel Edwards. I'm sure you can search that on Facebook. <laughs> Just kidding. But Rachel, your analysis on the game and uh, Maya didn't have the greatest game, but boy did she come through when we needed. You know, and I thought that it was going to be a repeat of the other game with. Re- Purdue the earlier game they were down by 17 in the first half you know they were the Boilermakers were really just giving it to the girls and you know they it was just they were started off very very slow so when the second half came they just got back in the game really got got back in it um I have some stats here Victoria Go ahead. I've got a very special guest on the line, Rachel. Before you jump to your stats, I'm just we'd like, so we'd like to welcome I'm Maya humbling. Johnson into I'm, the show. Is... Welcome, Maya Johnson, to the show. Oh, folks. my goodness. Maya Johnson, welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing? Good, good. I'm a huge fan, obviously. This is like, you know, my rock star moment. Uh, so, Maya, hey, big. first of all, props. Game winner yesterday at Purdue. Um, first of all, was that is that your first game winner in college? Um, yeah, actually it is. I wouldn't lie. It is. Um, we didn't win too many games at St. Louis. So, uh, yeah, it was definitely a buzzer beater for me. Just joining us, Maya Johnson of the women's basketball team, the sensational sophomore transfer from the Billikins of St. Louis University. So, Maya, can you explain to us how that all worked out? You were originally recruited by Michigan State. Then they kind of, you got off the radar when you were hurt. And now you're back in East Lansing. Can you explain how that all transpired? Um, well, uh, basically, my coach, um, Jill Pizzotti, she had transferred, or not transferred, she um, she just left. She stepped down at St. Louis, and um, that was the coach that recruited me there, so I uh, no longer wanted to be there. And um, so I gave Coach Brown a call, Al Brown. He uh, he had been recruiting me at a different um, Wisconsin, and he kind of followed me throughout uh, my years. And um, I just called him and I explained to him what my situation was, and um, I wanted to transfer here. So it kind of worked out. Uh, there was an open scholarship, and... They offered me, and uh, I took it. So sitting out that one year because of NCAA regulations, that just had to make you such a hungry player coming into this year. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Sitting out, um, it's hard, but at the same time, you look at what you're gaining, and uh, you just become more hungry and hungrier. You know, you out there, you, you all you can do is really uh, pretty much watch your team um, as, they, as they play. They go on the road, and you, you stay back here on campus, and you just basically get more hungry to get out there and play. As far as you just transferring into Michigan State um, just over a year ago, how do you think the chemistry of this team is now that you've got some freshmen in the starting lineup that have been rotating in and out with Alyssa DeHaan? Um, you're a new face to the starting lineup with VLP and Rennie Haynes. How's the team chemistry? Um, overall, I think our team chemistry is great. Um, we love each other on and off the court. Uh, we definitely uh, learn how to play together. We've come a long way from uh, November <laughs> till now, and uh, I think we're improving. And we're also a deep team. We have so much depth. And I think we all can contribute in uh, so many ways. 
In your first season in the Big Ten, you're averaging uh, just below nine points and four rebounds a game, starting for the Michigan State Spartans at guard. Did you did you expect yourself to be this productive uh, this early in your career here at Michigan State? I mean, uh, I think I could. I, I know I could make an impact. It was just me finding my niche. Um, you come in, I was rusty. You're playing against better uh, competition. Um, I just had to wait for my time to come and uh, gain my confidence stuff back. I think I'm definitely a contributor, and uh, I'm showing it now. All right, you're shooting 34% from the field, but you're shooting better from three-point range. Is that your specialty? Yeah, I'm more of a three-point shooter. Uh, that's, that's what I'm known for, basically, three ball. Um, I'm definitely developing more of a mid-range game. Um, so, yeah, I, I say a three-point ball. So you come from a state and an area that produced Spartan greats such as Allen Anderson. Uh, did you grow up knowing Allen Anderson, playing with him? Uh, how was your, do you have a relationship with Allen? Yeah, I know Allen. Uh, we go way back. Um, we kind of grew up going to Clyde Turner basketball camps and stuff. Uh, just being locals around Minneapolis, playing basketball, coming up, we learn about each other. Um, we, we met, I mean, when I was young, maybe sixth, seventh grade. So uh, he's definitely a lot older than I am. But at the same time, yeah, we grew up, and uh, I know Allen. I know Allen a lot. So you're, you're looking. You're a freshman of the year in Conference USA. You're on, or you're on the All Freshman Team. Pardon me. Um, you were the the Player of the Year your senior year in high school. And now you're looking down the road that you're you're a candidate for for the All Big Ten team. Is this thing is this surprising to you, or are you just continuing to work hard to just get to the next level? Uh, I think it's just coming to working hard. I'm getting acclimated to the system, uh, making trans that, making that transition, and just sitting in and playing. Um, at the end of the day, all I'm worried about is getting W's. All right, uh, one question here from uh, my co-host Rachel for you. You know, I have a question. Um, what would you say to guys who think that you know women's basketball isn't as entertaining or you know as as athletic as the men's game? You know, we have a um, a, a host in here who you actually had a class with. I think he might have a crush on you, but he he really dogs women's basketball. So I was wondering, what would you say to a guy like that? Hey, it's not me. It's not me, Maya. But it is it is Juan. But uh, what do you say to that? Um, well, I would have to say we're definitely more fundamental. I mean, uh, if you go back, that's what the game is based upon, uh, the principles of uh, fundamentals. Um, yeah, athletic. you find a lot of women's teams out there that are a lot more athletic. Or I think even MSU this year, we're definitely athletic, and we're just fun to watch. I mean, in general, you see women do some stuff that men don't. Um, they step up in different areas, and uh, I definitely I have to mention the fundamentals. We definitely have more fundamentals than men. I, I definitely can agree with that. You're passing, you're shooting. You guys shoot way better than me, obviously. I played against you and with you. So, um, I know, I got, Dan. I, I, Dan, you still need to work on that jumper. Oh, <laughs> she's got to she's call me out on the red. Hey, it's all right, though. Um, one, another question about your teammate, Alyssa DeHaan. We talk about athleticism. Um, what, what's, her, what's, she, what's she doing in practice? she dunking or what? All this talk about Alyssa DeHaan dunking capability. What's up with her? Oh, yeah, she's practicing her dunks. That girl can dunk. I mean, she's flat out flushed it in front of us, showed us. Um, she's working on it. Uh, for Alyssa, I just think it's confidence. It's going to come. It's going to come sooner or later. Um, right now, I think she, she's working hard in practice. She, uh, she hits backboards every time she does a layup. It's just making, um, making her do that kind of stuff in the game. And uh, when she gets that opportunity, I, I think she should get a dunk before she graduates out of here, out of MSU. Absolutely. Uh, just a few more for you, Maya. We look down the road. In, in the class that you're with, you're young. You still have some years ahead of you here at Michigan State. You've got great players alongside of you, like Alyssa DeHaan, uh, Takia Fortner, Manny Pikowski, young players. What's the ceiling for this team? I, I believe that this team and the, the, the foundation that Coach P has is capable of a national championship down the road sometime. Oh, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, she's definitely recruiting uh, the right players that she's uh, bringing in. They bring uh, different things to the table. Um, we all come from so, so many different backgrounds. Um, we bring so many different things. And uh, I think with, with that along, 
said, uh, Coach Fee's uh, philosophy and her style of coaching and her <laughs> coaching ability, I definitely think we're 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 uh. Our, our hopes <laughs> is definitely a um, championship, and if and if anything, I know we can get there. And uh, it's just uh, definitely continuing to recruiting and uh, bringing in the right players. But uh, oh yeah, I definitely see that in our vision because uh, again, Coach C, she does bring in the right players, and she's a great coach. Maya Johnson of the women's basketball team joining us for just a few more minutes. Quick question for you. I just want you to explain a little bit about what was going through your head yesterday in the game. You know, when they kicked it out to you, shoot that three to win the game. Well, I like, I like having a ball at the end of the game. Um, my adrenaline starts rushing. It rushes like I don't know what. And I, just, I think I'm that type of player. I, I like to make things happen um, throughout the course of the game. I wasn't having a good game. I, I didn't have a good game, I think, overall. Um, I, I started off slow. I kind of turned the ball over. And I, just, I, I think with me stepping in, um, Isha, she just made the, the unbelievable pass. Because that girl, obviously, she could have went in and just threw it up and uh, tried to make something happen. But she saw me. And uh, she believed in me to pass it, and that shows a lot of how we believe in each other and make things happen. And uh, my teammates, they picked me up throughout the whole game. Um, I wasn't having a good game. I can honestly say that, but uh, I stepped up, and I wanted that shot. Well, you're saying that you didn't have a good game, but obviously, you know, Coach saw something in you because you played 34 minutes yesterday. You played the most minutes out of the team. So what is it that the coach had you out? What did did Coach P have you out there for? I think uh, the biggest thing was my poise and uh, defense. Um, I was definitely in a defensive attack mode. Um, I was out there. I was trying to make things happen on defensive end. I sometimes uh, had rushed some shots on the offensive end, but I think I think my uh, overall defense was pretty good. Maya Johnson, we thank you for your time. We know you're busy. Probably got a bunch of homework, a bunch of things to take care of. <laughs> hey, thanks for Maya Johnson of the women's basketball team. All right, us. thank you. All right. Maya Johnson, great Honest person right there. Good deal. Humble. Very humble. Got to respect that and got to love that she is going to be here for another two seasons after that. And I'm sure. Yeah, I'm that... pretty sure Juan's pretty happy about that. I'm stoked about women's basketball. <laughs> and I'm and I'm sure that uh, that Coach P is stoked that she'll be around. And, uh, you know, I, I see some all Big Ten. I see some considerations for Big Ten Player of the Year definitely down the road for her. Mm-hmm. She is, she's definitely showing us what she can do in her inaugural season here at Michigan State. It's it's tough to get them acclimated to the Big Ten and obviously a tougher defensive conference. Um, get to Coach P's zone defensive system that she's so highly touted for coming from coming from St. Louis, having to sit right. out that year. Um, very impressed with the way Maya Johnson's played. In, in the preseason preview, we said that she was one of the X-Factors this and, year. And she has a huge advantage over most people due to the fact that she is honest with herself. And when you're honest with yourself as an athlete, well, not just that, just in life, it, it allows you to prove on your weaknesses a lot quicker because you, you, you don't deny them, you don't hide from them, you don't run from them, you take them head on. So that's going to that's gonna really start to show in her game as her confidence grows. Stay with us. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we'll wrap up Michigan State women's basketball, and we'll get on to the fellas, and we'll t- wrap up this hour with a little bit of tournament talk. Where do the Spartans stand? We know the ladies will be in, but where will the men stand when it's all said and done? And, yes, we'll give you a little heads up on the big week in Spartan sports, where they're playing and who they're playing against. Stay with us. You're listening to the Spartan Sports Rep. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. For some high school students, school can be a dangerous place. All the gamers look at you as a game member, too. For some, just being in school can be a struggle. I wouldn't go to school. I didn't care about what my mom said. My mom would tell me, like, what are you doing for yourself? You're not doing nothing. But despite all the obstacles, inside every high school student is a graduate. People look down on you if you don't have a diploma. I want to graduate because they say I won't. Go to BoostUp.org and find out how you can help a friend, a son, a daughter finish high school. BoostUp.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Army and the Ad Council. 
For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime. where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Tuesday nights from 8 until midnight, the Impact's progressive torch and twang brings you the best in alternative country and grassroots music. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. Welcome back to the Exposure. This is the Spartan Sports Wrap. We're on Impact 89 FM every Monday. If you'd like to check out our newly, freshly updated podcast on the line, Rachel is so thrilled that they're up. They're updated through last week. Incredible. I'm loving the guys that are taking care of this, our computer-savvy guys here at The Impact. So if you want to check out our past shows, we've got some great interviews with the likes of Marquise Gray, Edong Ebok, Andrew Neitzel, and Charlie Bell interview should be up there soon. That's that so, Formula One dedication. So uh, so if you'd like to check that out, that <laughs> Formula One dedication. Okay, I, could, I still can't believe that these guys are volunteer 50 hours a week. To put and I believe Pro every bone. second and, that, of it. and that's what that's what the kicker is that you can find thirty guys who will give you well guys and girls who will give you you know fifty hours a week. That's that's the kicker. Yeah, that's amazing. But obviously, those guys before the show they they said they said they profess that they are gearheads and they love every minute of it. But anytime you've worked on a car, obviously when you start working on a car, it just the time goes longer and longer and longer. You mm. run into more things you got to do. It's just time just multiplies quickly. So props to those guys for coming in. Man, MSU Formula Racing, followed by Maya Johnson. You guys better download Man, this one. Man, we need to week. get the fishing team in here now, Dan. I mean, we're worldwide with this. You know what that guy said back in the day? You know, yeah. we got to get some real sports, some real like, sports. Na- like NASCAR on the show. So <laughs> you, you we, we, we we're went, delivering. We went You're ahead, delivering We it. went ahead and got versatile with <laughs> the show. We brought him in. But we bring you into the house tonight. This is MSU Student Radio, nonprofit, but we tell it how it is. There you go, And Dan. DeJuan Simmons brings the heat from the right corner in the Always. blue with the Detroit hat. Back to Michigan State women's basketball. Just a quick wrap-up. They're 19-6, 10-2 in the Big Ten. Two games behind Ohio State, who is undefeated in the conference. But Ohio State still has us and Wisconsin on the schedule. Two possible losses, which could propel Michigan State Lady Spartans into a tie for first place when it's all said and done. I talked to Rini Haynes today, and she was hoping the same. So hopefully this works out well. Um, Michigan State women play again, I believe, Thursday. They sure do. Michigan State men are on a four-game losing streak while the women have just won their fourth streak. Oh, wow. That's, a, that's, that's, that's amazing. That's a st- it, Oh, <laughs> it's, wow. So It's a flip-flop. Why, why you gotta, why you got to call the men out like that, Rachel? You know, you know well, not- I, this is my fourth year at the university, and this is a totally different uh, season for me. It's a totally different thing. I don't think they've <laughs> ever had four loss straight. Well, we're not the only ones. We'll talk about the Duke Blue Devils oh, yes, here in a minute. We will talk about Duke. Devils. If you go to any school outside of, what is it, Durham, North Carolina. Riley Durham. Yep, you uh, are not a fan, truly a fan of the Duke Blue Devils. I met a few outliers that are fans of the Blue Devils. But uh, good to see the Duke Blue Devils on a four-game losing streak. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm, I'm sure, what I'm is it, sure, Misery Loves Company? I, I'm is sure, it, it is? I'm exactly. sure Izzo has been having some calls with Shashevsky lately. Yeah. <laughs> but t- t- how do you pr- why do you why do we pronounce his name Shashevsky? You ever look how his name is spelled? Yeah, I, it's like, I, you know, that goes with the whole The Duke Brett scheme. Favre. Yeah, that's what <laughs> it goes, It's under the Brett Favre rule. Brett Favre's name is spelled F-A-V-R-E. I do not understand yeah. why we pronounce it Favre, but every media guy that always pronounce it for Maybe he's trying to make it easy on us instead of favor. Brett Favor, can you imagine that? But we get back to the business here. Michigan State men's basketball, 17-8 and overall, 4-6 and in the Big Ten. 
Uh, four big home games for us coming up down the stretch here. Michigan, 9 p.m. That is a home game Tuesday night at the Breslin Center. The athletic department has requested a whiteout. So, um, you know, hopefully people are in their white apparel on Tuesday. That's a late one, 9 p.m., the nightcap on ESPN. When everybody there. Co- Coach Lavin's going to be in the house with the slick back hair and the hair gel. Yep. Uh, can't go wrong with that little color commentary. So we'll be the nation spotlight on Tuesday night against uh, Petway's One Tooth Grill in uh, Michigan in Amaker's, uh what is that, a turtleneck? You got it, <laughs> Amaker and the turtleneck. Amaker and the turtleneck, Petway in One Tooth. That's why he doesn't smile at the free throw line. <laughs> you ever notice that? Uh, anyway, we move forward. Uh, if you really look at this, uh, this is a huge game f- for us against Michigan. Obvi- obviously, we've got to bounce back, get back on the winning streak. But if you look at our losses this season, we got eight losses. Five of these eight losses are only by seven points or less. And you look and you look at a game like that, that's a, that's a couple shots, a few possessions, a few cut back on the turnovers. This team really spoiled us early in the season, as Brigitte and I were talking about before the before the show actually went on. Can you explain uh, what, what we were talking about, Brigitte? Take the well, point. we were just talking about, you know, everybody knew this year going in that it was going to be a rebuilding year. We lost Shannon Brown to the NBA. Matt Trannon decided not to play. So we knew that we weren't going to have any returning starters aside from Drew Neitzel. And um, basically they gave us a taste of success, and now that we got it, now they're doing bad. You know, fans are getting a little upset. But, you know, with due respect, they expect a winning team when you go to Michigan State and you're watching basketball. Absolutely. Unlike our partners down there in Ann Arbor, if you're watching Michigan State, Michigan basketball, you're expecting uh, someone to be getting paid, I guess. <laughs> no, no, you know, what is it? Weber, Howard, yeah, uh, one, $1 million, dollar, you know, whatever. Fab Five. But, hey, Chris Weber's a pissing now, so everybody loves him. He's been playing well, though. It's a short-term memory of the public. Yeah, yeah, the public has a very short-term memory in terms of winning. Yeah, you have Past 8 Mile. Okay, maybe it's different. (laughs) (laughs) We move forward. Five of eight losses on the season by seven points or less. 517-432-3893 is the number. If you'd like to chime in on some Michigan State men's basketball, women's basketball, or what John L. Smith had to say about the Illinois recruiting predicament, we will move forward, though, with Michigan State men's basketball. And we look at the game, and a lot of fingers pointed to fatigue in that Purdue blowout where we only scored 12 points in the second half. Yikes. Um, if you really think about it, Drew Neisel is playing more minutes this season than Steve's, than anybody dating back to Steve Schmitty Smith in 1990-91. In the last four games alone, D. Knight is averaging 39 and a half minutes. Folks, you only play 40 in college basketball. So you're telling me this kid's only getting 30 seconds of blow every game? And we're not talking about the movie, okay, Juan? <laughs> we're, we're not talking about the legal substance. We're talking about a break in the game. Yikes. Those losses weren't truly upsets, though. You look at three fourths of three out of four of those games we lost in this four-game losing streak. We're on the road, and we had to face number three, which I think should not be number three Ohio State. Why isn't Wisconsin ranked higher than Ohio State? I don't know. I don't vote. Maybe they should give the old impact a call and let me get a vote on there that. You, go. you know, what happened when Ohio State played some top-ranked opponents in the top 25? I think there were one in three against the top 25. Wisconsin gave them the business. Yes, they did. No, was it North Carolina as well? North Carolina got them for one, and Florida got them for one. Yeah, so what's going to happen in the tournament? Bubble will be popped. I could. I wouldn't be surprised if Ohio State lost in the first round. 
I see this. I see this year not to jump too far ahead, but if a Cinderella is ever going to pull it out, I say this year's got a got a good chance because you have some strong teams in a lot of different conferences, such as Butler. The Pac-10s pick back up, so you got a lot of different spots that you know they could get hot at the right time and actually make it happen. So looking at this season, we've lost four in a row. We're obviously right on the bubble of this tournament. Um, is this a down year in your eyes? Um. Personally, no, I don't think it's a down year. I think what it is is a tribute to their inexperience. Um, when you reach a point in the season like you are now, coming down to the home stretch, the last 10 games that are so critical or 10 or so games that are so critical, you need that one person, that one leadership who can you can rely on Who, when when you get those down spots in the game, when you're, when you're tired, when, you're, when you don't want to move forward. You have that one person who, who has that drive, who has a desire to push forward. And Drew Nysel is definitely a strong player. He's a strong candidate. But right now he doesn't have what it takes to do it all by himself. Scoring has been a problem, and it will continue to be a problem. Um, the way that Izzo coaches, he's used to coaching and running an offense that has multiple weapons in there. And the fact that they don't have that this year is starting to conflict with his coaching style, which is arising the problem. That's why you get those inconsistencies where they score 10, 12 points in the second half or, or, or get ice cold from the perimeter. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know about the tournament. Like I said earlier, I see them as a bubble team. It's going to be rough. So I still say the Michigan game is such a critical game because if they drop that one, I don't know how their confidence is going to stand. It is a down year to me just because – uh, Michigan State's been able to make the tournament the past 10 years, and if they don't make it this year, it's just a really dis- big pa- disappointment. Past nine years. Past nine this years, would be This tenth. would be the 10th year. But um, if they don't make it this year, it's disappointing as a fan just because, you know, we often get disappointed during football season, and we always look to basketball season as the bright spot of Michigan State athletics. But um, hopefully they'll pull these next couple games out. Otherwise, I mean, like I said before, it is a transition year, so you have to expect that. You know, there are going to be a couple losses. But with some of the things that they have done this year, you could look at it and say there shouldn't be a question. They should be in it because of those costly mistakes that could cost them their if, spot. Yeah, if you really look at it in terms of terminology, you could say this is a cycle year. We look at we look at recruits coming in and out. We look at people leaving early. We look at NBA stars blossoming in, going to the NBA. Um, sh- uh, if we had Shannon and Trannon, we would be a top Battling atop the Big Ten, I believe, and we'd have a Big Ten Player of the Year candidate and National Player of the Year candidate in Shannon Brown, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, along with Matt Trannon, he is that guts and glue guy that holds everything together, that go-to rebounder who gets the little things done that we haven't been able to get done consistently. Trannon, I believe this year would have brought us um, 10 points and 8 rebounds a game this year. The hustle plays. Yep, that's the what, hustle that's, play, that's exactly. what he would have brought, the hustle plays. And the intimidator. Right. People are scared of Matt Trannon. And uh, with the lineup, I wouldn't have been surprised if you saw Matt Trannon at the three if he would have played would have played basketball this year. Uh, with the let's say uh, Drew Neitzel, Travis Walton, Matt Trannon, Raymar Morgan, and uh, Goran Sutan, um, that'd be a tremendous lineup with tremendous length. And man, just just the thought of uh, having Shannon and Trannon, but obviously we do not have them. Co- the reason I bring this up is Coach Izzo today his press conference really touched on the touched on the point that. You know, if all would have gone to plan, Matt, Matt Trannon would still be here, and, and Shannon Brown would be as well. But obviously, that's not how the cards fell. But Tom Izzo still doing a great job with the resources mm-hmm. he has at hand. Drew Neitzel playing his tail off. Um, he was hounded by that Purdue defense, but I guarantee Drew Neitzel will bounce back tomorrow. The kid is tremendous at bouncing back, mentally strong. He's been there before. Um, I just despise Michigan, so I. I <laughs> 
I cannot see us losing to Michigan. We got, I'd say, um, I can't use, uh, I got to use appropriate language here on the air. Last year at in Ann Arbor, you really, uh, the officials pretty much, you know, took that game over. Yeah, they did a lot that game. We'll leave it at that. Yeah, I hate when the officials become the fifth man on the floor for the Wolverines, and they tend to have that. I don't know. I don't know how that happens, but that's a whole different story, Juan. That's we, a whole other road to walk that, down. Yeah, we can't go down that that dirty, dusty road exactly. there. Exactly. Uh, but uh, obviously, I consider this just a cycle year. You look at what the what could have been and what we're given and what we've done so far. We're seventeen and eight in a tough Big Ten. I'm sick of hearing about how the Big Ten is down this year. If you look at the middle of the Big Ten, there are some strong teams. Albeit they don't play consistently strong, but Purdue is thirteen and one at home. You're not, you're not, or fourteen and one at home. You're not that good at home just because it's, just it's your, at, right. just because it's your home court. You're good because you're a good basketball team. Illinois, you got to look. These are po- Illinois just recently went to a Final Four with us back in two thousand five. Purdue, a, a solid team. Landry and Teague. Landry is going to be up there, first team All Big Ten area. These are good teams, and I think the Big Ten deserves more credit. This is here we're segmenting into our tournament talk than just three teams being submitted into the tournament. We hear talk of, obviously, Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Indiana. Yes, those three are in. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Big Ten deserves five or six teams into the tournament. Yes, these mid-American conferences are good and this, that, the other. But come to the Big Ten. Play our conference. Play the tough style of defense and the rugged ball we play and see if your record's not 4-6 and six after 10 games of the conference. It's the same thing that happens to them in football as far as the Big Ten Conference goes. They end up playing each other, end up beating up, beating up on each other. That's why they fall in ranking and fall out of the top ten because every game is a tough game, and a lot of places can't appreciate that because you do have those that strong separation between the good teams and the cupcakes in, in, in the conference where the Big Ten, you know, you have to come out and play hard every night, and that, that adds to the wear and tear on, on teams, especially come tournament time. But if you want to see how good the Big Ten is, if they were actually able to get five teams in, which I don't think they are, I think they're going to get four in, max five, if if something else falls through, if Arizona continues to lose. But they just knocked off Oregon, so that's going to put the pressure on because the Pac-10 is definitely going to get a, at least five or six in this year because they've been getting – you know, quote-unquote robbed a little bit these these last couple of years. So they're going to take advantage of that. And you always have the Big East with their, seems like, 100 teams. You know, they're going to they're gonna put in a, a decent amount. So, and of course, you have the conference winners. So it puts the pressure on the Big Ten, but they're, they're talented all the way through, and I wish people could get a chance to see that. Absolutely. Is there a, is there a stigma um, coming from the beginning of the year tournament, the ACC Big Ten Challenge? Obviously, we struggled. The Big Ten horrific in these ACC Big Ten challenges. I don't I'm for sure we haven't won the last two challenges and it seems that, you know, we just get what well, we play Maryland this year. Right. Mm-hmm. It just seems that the Big Ten gets embarrassed and we get a stigma placed on us that we're not a good conference and people will say, you know what, we'll look at uh we'll look at the Pac Ten and say, Oh, a, a top tier team lost to a bottom tier team, but what's that? That conference is strong top right. to bottom. But then we say the Big Ten, oh, they're just simply top heavy. I'm sick of hearing it. This is a great conference. We play great defense and I'm saying, like you said, five, four, five at the max. Uh, Michigan State has some work to do. And what is that work to get into the conference, um, into the uh, NCAA tournament? Pardon. I believe they have what eight or nine games left. Correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe eight, maybe nine. Six. Six left. 
Yes, sir. Six okay, games. six. They're gonna need at least four out of that six, and they're definitely gonna need that last game of the of the season against uh, what Wisconsin. Wisconsin at Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. They're gonna need that Wisconsin at Wisconsin. I think that'll push them over because they're still a bubble team right now, and if, and you know, recruiters also have well, not recruiters, but the far as the bracketeers go, the committee. committee they have a short memory as well. So that Texas game is not going to really hold as that, much. That a Wisconsin win at the end of the season would be right. so fresh. Right, it would be so fresh in their minds. You know, coming off at the end of the year, the tournament will start the the, the next week, week and a half after that. I say that would be the best chance to get there and they could pull that one. I see us obviously I see us realistically getting three out of the next four. Michigan, Iowa, and Indiana all at home. And when we travel to Michigan, I really think we can get that one done as well. Mm-hmm. The true test comes with those two Wisconsin games. We at least have to pick up one of those games. Need one of them. Gotta have one of them. And Wisconsin is 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 is, is actually feasible because Wisconsin isn't a running gun team. Even though they're good, they're not gonna put 80 or 90 points on you on the scoreboard. They're not going to hang that on you. They like to be in the 50 to 60 point range. So if Michigan State could come out and do like they did that first Ohio State game and and get some shots up, you know they they could actually be in the ball game. Like Wisconsin's not going to run you out of the gym. All right, that's a wrap for the show tonight. Um, Michigan State plays Michigan tomorrow night at the Breslin Center, 9 p.m. tip on ESPN. Saturday, pardon me, we play 2:30 p.m. That is in East Lansing as well, as are the next two games against Wisconsin and Indiana. Don't forget that Indiana game on the 24th. That's a Saturday night, 9 p.m. tip. That's college game day coming to town into East Lansing. So I'm sure they'll be broadcasting. I believe it's from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. They'll be broadcasting their pregame show. I'm sure Digger Phelps and Jay Billis and the whole Reese Davis crew will be in East Lansing to broadcast that. But to broadcast again next week, we'll be back on WDBM East Lansing. And this is the Spartan Sports Rep. Be sure to check us out every Monday night, 7 to 8 p.m. And, hey, check us out online at www.impact89fm. For Michigan State Formula Racing Team, our special guest, Maya Johnson, Rachel Brigitte Juan, my man behind the glass, Kevin Fiend, and me, I'm Dan Duggar. I'm in the seat every Monday night. Have a great night, and stay tuned for the Jazz Spectrum with Jeff Shoup. Thank you, and God bless. Thanks for listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in next Monday at 7 p.m. for more commentary on your favorite teams. Thanks for listening to this evening's Exposure, only on 88.9 The Impact.